Hey, welcome, Black Tribers. We are coming live from Colorado Springs, Colorado. It's some of our best friends' basement, Nicole and Brett Irwin. They've been so awesome. They're awesome. We love them deeply, and we are excited. We've got our little setup down here in the basement we're staying in, and we might be hitting the road here pretty soon. Yep. Big news. Go check out our missional communities. We're heading for you, alumni. We're coming to see what's up. Bring some encouragement, a little bit of love. Lots of unlimited and free hugs. Yeah, no question. No question. And we feel like God's up to something. It's It's been hard being back here in Colorado Springs for me, just because there's a lot of abandonment stuff and things here that have been hard. But God's really starting to churn and do some things. And so we're really excited. But we want to get... To part 10, all things marriage slash relationships. Yeah. And the reason why we're throwing relationships in there is we've had a lot of people with feedback coming to us that are thinking about starting a relationship or just started one, and they're thinking about marriage. And today, we're going to kind of cover all of that. Well, we're going to do two parts okay? because there's it's, it's such good stuff. And I think it's so important for anyone that's dating, engaged, been married a long time, is that there are seasons to life and there are seasons to the world and nature and the way that God created it and their seasons to marriage. And I think one of the biggest issues we have is people go into marriage and they don't realize that there are seasons involved. And then therefore when a normal season hits, they think that that is the rest of life and ah. therefore they check out. Okay. So you start this relationship yep. and it's euphoria and it's exciting. And we'll talk about that. And then you get down the road a little ways in marriage and some of the steam maybe the steam, <laughs> maybe the passion, the passion. kind of goes out. And yeah. Then... And I, I, the, the research and the things that I've been reading, um, was like really depressing. Honestly, I was like, if I was thinking of getting married and I was reading these things, I would be very discouraged. And so what we want to say up front is a marriage might go through summer, you know, fall, winter and spring. And that's it. You might stay in spring the rest of your life. You may go on that cycle the rest of your life. Some of the cycles might be really long or really short. Nobody knows. But we do have to prepare ourselves for different seasons of life. Therefore, when the seasons come, we know that if it's a really difficult season, it is going to come to an end. And if it's a really great season, enjoy it. Yes. Because drink it in all that you can. can Drink deeply. Yes. In a day. So the first season is summer. And I just, well, quickly, uh, and I say this quite a bit, but there's hundreds of seasons in life. That's true. When I heard Mike Bickle talk about this the first time, it kind of helped me that we have hundreds and hundreds, maybe 300, maybe 500 seasons in life. And we go through those seasons and they always end. And what we never want to do is make decisions when things are really, really good or really, really bad. The best time to make a decision is when you're just kind of coasting in a good season. That's just normal. Uh, that's a good time to make decisions about future and marriage and those kind of things. But your marriage, as Lisa's going to walk us through, will go through all four of these seasons, summer, winter, fall, spring. For sure. And we've been in a spring season. It's been good. I like spring. Spring is good. Um, and, you know, we were in a pretty hard season when we lost our son, Michael, and we went into even darker than winter season. Um, and so some of those winters can be just kind of surfacey, but then they can be really like a full on blizzard for a long time and you've got to know that that's going to end and how do you sustain in the midst of that so and it all belongs and it all belongs everything belongs okay right? read this first so we're gonna okay genesis, genesis 822 we're starting in summer is that what we're, we're doing starting in summer babe while the earth remains seed time and harvest cold and heat summer and winter 
day and night shall not cease. Right. And so I read that, I think God, yeah, speak up, baby. We got God literally promises us. He promises us hard times and he promises us he'll always be with us, but he promises the changes. He also says the, the, the sun is going to come up tomorrow. Yes. And, and I'm going to be there. And I'm Unless you live in Seattle or Stop. South, it's sun maybe never Stop. comes up, but meaning there's hope in the morning. But the point that you just brought up is that making major decisions in a really intense time, which is what most people do. Mm-hmm. Like we've, we've talked about a lot of people that lose their children, do not, their marriages do not survive. It's not a good time to make a major decision, like ending your marriage after the loss of a child, because your emotions are, are raw and you're not thinking clearly. And you really, we'll talk about the winter season, but we're going to start with the, the summer season because okay. it's, it's summer right now. It is. It's fun. June in Colorado. No bugs. humidity, no bugs. no bugs. It got really cold the other night. We watched, if you watched one of my videos, my Truth Talk Tuesday this week, wild radical storms over Pikes Peak. We had to wrap up in blankets because it was cold outside. And it was just this beauty and this the honest of God on display right in front of us. That's Colorado. Incredible. Beautiful. Summer's good. So if you think about summer and you think about uh, weddings that you go to, the thing that's so fun at weddings is when you've been married for a long time and you go to a wedding and you see a couple that is truly in love, it kind of, it, it sparks that passion in you again, because you remember that season. And I, I do not want to say that that is an end of a season. It'll never be like that again. I believe actually, as you overcome things, you, you go back to a summer that's way better than infatuation and first falling in love. But yes. think about summer as in a marriage the first thing you do is it gets hotter. It's hot. Yeah. And you strip down. Okay. Yeah. I like and this. And so you're more exposed and you're more vulnerable. Yeah. Also in summer, just like, you know, you see kids that are, they're getting ready. They're at the end of school. They get a little wild. And like, I always can tell when our students at G42 are ready to graduate because they get senioritis and it gets a little, you know, they get a little more rowdy in the afternoon in class and we're goofing around a lot more. We're getting more silly because they're ready for summer. Right. And that is how we were. God made us that way. And so when you see young couple that's infatuated and falling in love like that, it's actually a really beautiful thing. But the studies actually show that when you are first falling in love or you're first infatuated with someone, the way that your hormones react and your brain chemistry reacts is the exact same thing as addiction. As addiction. As addiction. Okay. So, so high highs and low lows. So when I'm falling in love. Yes. So we've got a bunch of G42ers that just graduated or they're on practicum. And we've said this at like six of them, six couples came out of lockdown in Spain through COVID. And we've asked them all not to talk for a month. And I'm getting texts like crazy. Can I please talk to her? Can I please talk to him right now? But we just said, look, when you, when you, when you're in a really hard situation like that, you want to just make sure that Slow your hearts really like turn towards one another, but they're falling in love. They're falling in love. And, and it's, it's like exciting. a drug. It's like a drug. And it really is your, your body, your, your brain is releasing serotonin and dopamine, which is why people get addicted to drugs is because it feels good. And I remember thinking that when we were in, like we were engaged, it's like, I can't even imagine like really fighting or being mad at him or you know, being frustrated <laughs> wow. or, you know, and our kids were just, they were young and they were so cute and everything was so great. And it was just like, whenever I look at our wedding pictures, I was like, I was so freaking naive, not that I shouldn't have married you, but that I thought it was always going to be that way. Yes. And had I, I mean, I was only 30, but I think a, an older woman, you know, saying, Hey, you know, seasons come and go. Because when the, our season hit, 
that was very difficult. I was, I was sure that, you know, the first place we all go to is I married the wrong person. I made a mistake. I did something wrong. The offense grows, all those different things grow because it doesn't look like summer anymore. Right. So what if we started looking at the summer of our love as being the groundwork that we refer to for the rest of our lives, that we're not necessarily trying to get back to summer, but we're trying to get back to summer even better. Okay. Because we're no longer just infatuated. <sighs> if, if we go full circle through all of the, the seasons, we're not just infatuated anymore. Now we're actually in love, but we have a foundation. Okay. So we're in a summer season of marriage. We're drinking that in deep because we know that season's going to end. And we hope it doesn't. We pray it doesn't, but it's going to, right? And so we learn. Well, it's going to change. It's going to change. It's going to change. I don't like all this negativity. Changing stuff. season. It ticks me off a little bit. But what we got to learn is what in that summer season did we find that made our hearts come alive? Well, just think about how horny you were when the summer season. I mean, we yeah. got all these couples that are coming around us. They're like, we want to have sex so bad. And we're like, remember that the rest of your life. Yes. Remember how you felt. Don't stop Remember, having sex. It's yeah, not your body. It, exactly. But like I had a physical reaction to the sound of your diesel truck. Yes. Because your diesel truck meant you were coming home. I could smell your skin. I had backup. I had cover. I've got protection. I've got all. It was going to be fun because you were coming home. Yeah. And so that still sticks in my mind now, 20 years later, when I hear a diesel truck, I'm like, I literally get a flutter Pray, in my pray me in another diesel truck. You I'd love to have one here truck. in the It's not Come realistic. On. It's yeah. not real stuff. But it's, it's a place that you remember those beautiful, that beautiful time where you're getting to know each other, getting to know each other's bodies. And people that stay married for a long time and are not happily married anymore, they've forgotten why they fell in love with someone in the first place. That's true. I mean, that's what happens. Yeah. And then they forget what's, what we find interesting in our coaching is we ask them why divorce? Why are you so angry with one another? And they can't even remember that. So we forget the summer season. We forget the goodness of what we had when we started. And then when we're going through that divorce or been through that divorce, we forgot why we even hate each other yeah. anymore. And so it happens. All right. So a couple things to remember while you're in this is enjoy the high, but don't get lost in it. Okay. And I think that, I think that does take a bit of maturity. You know, we, we always, we always make fun of these little first, you know, these first romances like our son Noah right now is, is 17 and he's got a little girlfriend and everyone poo-poos oh they're only 17 but those are the building blocks of everything for the rest of his life so this relationship that he's having with this young woman this friendship or however it ends up working out is part of him growing into his his manhood is part of him growing into understanding women it's part of and so we can't we can't say all that stuff is stupid because we can't get to where we want to be without those building blocks. Okay. So when you're really young, you get really giddy. But I met you when I was 29 and I was giddy after I decided that, that I was okay with you. Then I, once I decided to let myself have hope, then I got, I was like, I was like a young girl again. I was excited. Like I was falling in love and all this was happening. I look back at those times all the time. And I think that was such a beautiful season of life, even though it was really difficult. And we don't look back at them to say, just can't you make this right. happen again? Can't we be like that again? We look at that and go, that was an incredible season. Thank God. It's like, what's it. the country song I love so much? You're going to miss this. You're, oh, that's such a good song. Yeah. It's I mean, true. you're going to miss the, that time. That, that was apartment. not when I went for a run in Georgia. I was crying. Yeah. It's beautiful. Because you really do. You look at a season and it's a hard one or a really good one. And, and you go, I just kind of wish we could get to the next place or the next level. You're going to miss that last season because they all belong, like we said at the beginning. And it's teaching you something. If you ask, what am I supposed to learn from this season? 
then you can learn and be transformed by it instead of being bitter and angry about it. Right, and so, absolutely. so the first point is, well, it's just that enjoy it, enjoy it, but don't get lost, don't in get it. so Good. lost in it. And also keep your identity. You yes. know, it's, that's where things go sideways. A lot of times, especially in, in young marriages is you become so infatuated with the person that you've married that you start to be, it's good to become one, but you still have to keep your individual passions, your individual drive, your, you know, you have to, you have to keep who you are because who you are is what attracted that person in yes, the first place. That's so good. And so if you had, if you had right after we got married, lost all the passion for everything that you have in life and only been focused on me, I would have gotten so sick of you. Because the reason I fell in love with you was because you had a passion for greater and bigger things. You were always wanting to create things. You were always wanting to go places and see things and and, and experience life. I still if, do. If that had stopped and you just wanted to stare at me all day, I was like, this is not love. Yeah. This is torture, right? right. This right. is how they torture people. So you have to maintain who you are all okay. the time through That's that good. whole process. All right. Okay. And then um, also remember that you have to take care of yourself. <laughs> Okay, this is good. This is no, this is good because a lot of times when we're so fluttery in love, when you would call me because you somebody canceled on you for a sales meeting or whatever for lunch, you'd call me and you'd want me to come meet you for lunch and I would drop whatever I was doing. And it, I started resenting a little bit the fact that I was at your beck and call. Hmm, and I, I kind of liked it. I didn't like it. And I became. You didn't want me just to be your wife. You wanted me to also be your personal assistant and, you know, all those other. And I thought I that's when we had to draw some boundary lines. We're like, I don't actually want to be your personal assistant. Everyone who's known me for 20 years or more knows that I want to make everyone my personal assistant. And he will if you let him. <laughs> and it's your fault. So yeah. come talk. So yeah. keep keep all your norms going so you don't lose your mind. So keep your norms going as individuals mm -hmm. and make sure you have good, solid boundaries that you talk through. When you start to feel a little used, like you felt like I was using you, yeah, well, you were a bit, and so <laughs> okay, you got it, and so you needed to speak that to me with a good heart, yeah, and say, look, I feel used in this. I didn't say that. I said I you're driving me crazy. Quit calling me. Right. I said get a personal assistant, and that's kind of my point. Yeah, that's kind of your Don't point. Don't go that route. <laughs> go but the route. At first, I thought I would, that was love. Okay. And I thought I was serving you and I was being a good wife by dropping everything and rushing to your side because you had 45 minutes and you didn't want to be alone. Okay. And then I realized, wait a minute, this is actually really starting to make me resent. He says it isn't being a good wife. It's, it's being it's good. It's a good point. You yeah. learned a lot. It's, it's, and, and these are lessons that you only learn by walking through them. You can't do good marriage except just by doing bad marriage. So uh, we can't fix this for you. Okay. So infatuation is a temporary thing and not always a healthy thing. I am no longer infatuated with you because infatuation, you should be glad about this. Oh, okay. yeah. Infatuation is more of an immature. Um, it's based on attraction. It's based on adrenaline. It's based on some pretty surface level things. So that's when people get confused a lot is like, I'm, I think I'm falling in love with this person, but I felt the same way with this other guy. And that was a disaster. And so this is, this is the time to ask the Lord, like for, this is a lot of what we're dealing with with these young couples. Yes. It's like, am I really falling in love with this person because I've seen their heart and I see their potential and I see who they are, or are they just the closest person to me? And this is more exciting than being alone right now. We see that a lot. Yeah. And in fact, we had a couple of calls just today on all those things. And so, so what's the solution to the, this? The solution is actually asking the Lord, like, is this, cause I think we all have a hard time with, um, 
I know young men especially are having a hard time now with pursuing women because they don't want to lead someone on. We've told them, you know, dating isn't good and courtship isn't good and whatever. You only date to marry. Well, I don't know how you're going to figure out who you're going to marry if you don't date people and spend time with people. So that's where it's, it's a little confused to the point where, you know, like we always say, men are not really pursuing women. I think because they're afraid they're always going to fail. And women, of course, are saying, listen, no one is pursuing me. Like, what is going on here? And I think we got to break down, like, it's a part of the natural human process to physically, first of all, be attracted to someone. That's the first thing that's going to happen. Right. And there's no way to understand if you have like-mindedness or you're going the same way without spending time together and getting to know each other. Right. And like we talked about on the last podcast, you got to make sure the pheromones work. Still work. Still work. Yeah. Beautiful. Good now. Okay. Okay. Keep keep leading us. You're doing great. Yeah. You're. Uh, you're. What are you doing? I'm just following you. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> this is our marriage now. I just follow where she's going, and and we do it. And, you know, it might be good to get a little vulnerable here. Um, literally, guys, that that is all of my older married friends in their sixties. Uh, I would hear them in my when I was in my 30s and 40s. They'd all say, "You know what? I I led for most of our marriage, and now I just want whatever my wife wants, and I'm following her." And I'd always go, "What a wimp! What are you doing? Why would you do that? You're supposed to lead. You're the man." And quite honestly, guys, at almost 54 now, um, you know, we got to Colorado Springs. Lisa needs a nest. She needs a place in the states that's just hers. That she knows it's her pots and pans and her plants and. And so when we come in from Spain or come in from Asia, whatever we're coming in from, that she has a home to go to that's hers. And, you know, the Lord just rebuked me. I kind of got a little intense about it. I was feeling rejected for some reason. The city does that to me. Um, and I had to go repent and confess that to my buddies, have them pray for me. And then I came to Lisa and repented and said, look, I want you to have whatever is in your heart, whatever that you need. Let's figure out how to go do that. And I have to trust that God's going to meet me on the back end of that. And so you might want to learn that at an earlier age, young man, that um, as you serve your wife's heart, now don't give in to manipulation and control, of course, but as you serve your wife's heart, she's going to just serve you at a, at a deeper level and a bigger level. And you're going to have a lot more sex. I promise you. So you probably should still buy me flowers. What? You probably should still buy me some roses. Buy you some roses. Yeah. Okay, good. Thank you. No, See, actually, and that's a good lesson. Women tell your husbands what you want. We don't know. We're but just not that smart. A, a good thing that you would say to me when we were first together, because um, there was a lot of fear because our situation was really intense, was you would say, when I would say, listen, I, I feel this way. Like that we're buying this house. We shouldn't buy this house. Buy this car. Shouldn't buy this car. You should do business with him. Should do business. Because women have that intense intuition, in, intuition and, and instinct. And we know, but also fear can get in, which I teach a whole class on the difference between fear and female instinct. But you asked, you would ask me, is this fear or are you hearing from the Lord? And many times I would say, I don't know. Let me get back to you. And you asked me that two days ago and I was up all night praying and I woke up this morning and I said, here's what I think we're supposed to do. Now, I don't, I don't think I manipulate you no, in you our don't. marriage. So there's a lot of trust. You used to here. some, but you don't anymore. <laughs> I disagree with that. 
hundred percent. I am not a manipulative person. I'm persuasive. Persuasive. Okay. okay. <laughs> okay. There you go. All right. So uh, just thinking of this example, because um, <sighs> I was thinking about Bible characters and one of the discussions we seem to always have with our fellow leadership is, is the Bible literal? Is the Bible not literal? Is it a story? Metaphorical. Who cares? Right. I think it's all real. It's yes. Yes and yes. Things. But I was thinking how interesting it is, is that characters in the Bible are not heroes that are protected. They're not the novels we read where we the, the heroes that we fall in love with end up having a happy ending. Right. Most of our heroes in the ending die horrible deaths. And so I was thinking about Jacob and Rachel because they, it, scripture says that he, he saw her, he went to her father, said, I want your daughter, She's Rachel. Hot. He said, okay. He worked for seven years, but scripture says it was like a day because they stayed in that summer season for seven years. Let me read that. It says this. It says, so Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. That's poetic and allegoric and all the things. What if your dad or what if my dad said you couldn't touch me for seven years until would, you built a fence for him? I wouldn't have waited. I just You wouldn't have no, waited. Wouldn't. <laughs> you, would have, you wouldn't have waited was, a week. I was too horny. You would have been like, sorry, Bill. She's not worth that much. <laughs> uh, seven minutes, I'll wait. Seven years, not I, so much. You know, I think. Seven, now, now, how long would you wait? Oh, the right answer. I waited forever and I'll yeah. keep waiting. Now, he actually waited 14 years. Yes, but the scripture only says that they were in the, they were like in that summer that season. That first seven. That yeah. first seven, they were so in love that it was like what? And I know I know couples like that. They, yeah. like, they wanted to finish school. They wanted to do this. They wanted to do that. And they waited and they waited and they waited and they got married. And I was like, wow, that is real love. Like that is, that's intense. Not to say that the short engagements don't do that as well, because they do. Okay, but they also then came into the fall of their marriage. Okay. And so after summer, so comes, they were in the summer, they were it was like summer. a few days to Jacob so and then they hit the fall. Okay. What did it look like in the fall? Well, what does it usually look like in the fall? Ah, dark, tarred. Oh, fall's beautiful. I love fall, okay. but what does it look like? It honey? gets a little colder. So when it gets a little colder, first thing we do is start to cover up. Okay. Good analogy, don't you think? Yes. You start putting on your Bronco sweatshirt and I put on a bigger sweater or whatever. We, we've gone from that vulnerable place in summer where we start to cover up. Okay. And I heard a young bride say to me the other day, and I will not mention her name, but she's so gorgeous. She knows. She listens. She knows. And she said to me, um, I realized when I'm fully naked in front of my husband, everything's great. And I, I realized when I want to cover up, there's something going on in my heart. Okay. She didn't say there was anything wrong with him. There was just something with her. And I thought that is really interesting because women do tend to physically cover ourselves when we feel vulnerable, vulnerable in any way, yep. which men will just they'll fly out. <clears throat> doesn't matter. It doesn't phase them in, in what way, but that's when we're coming off of this high from this addiction of this love and everything's so amazing and so shiny. And so, I mean, you think when you first get married, like the pots and pans are shiny. And your dishes don't have all the cracks in them and they, you know, microwave works perfectly. My, everything, you know, yeah. things are working and just, you know, your first one bedroom apartment is the most exciting thing in the world. Cause you're together and you just, you don't even care if your mattress is on the floor. You're just happy. Then you move into this fall of life where you're getting to know each other on a deeper level. And everyone says the honeymoon's over, which I don't appreciate because that's implying that it's never, you, you never get back there, which I think if we went and did our same honeymoon 20 years ago this week, we would have even more fun than we did. Yeah. Years well, ago. we kind of do. We kind of do. Yeah. So it's not that it's over. It's that it's a new season. It's fall. 
It's okay. getting a little, and you're going a little deeper. And when we go a little deeper with people, we start finding out the realities of their heart. Okay. And then what do you think usually happens then? Well, then we have to, <laughs> we have to come kind of answer some questions, right? Mm -hmm. there's, there's questions about, you know, um, all of a sudden the things that you maybe didn't notice are starting to bother you. And then all of a sudden things that you never talked about, like there was one time you and I never talked about when we were dating or engaged about vacationing with other families. And about a year into our marriage, you were like, they're such a fun couple. We should go on vacation with them. And I was so offended that you would even suggest that because to me, us going on vacation would be alone time with each other and with our kids. And to bring another family into that would turn my beautiful sanctuary into work chaos. and chaos. Yeah. Yeah. And so we got in a huge fight about just you I mentioning this, it. But I'm sure we were happens. at a resort when it happened. Okay. And I, and I got, I was just like, why would you even <clears throat> suggest such a vile thing? <laughs> But now, of course, we vacation with people. We have a great time. But right. that's how that never came up until a, two years into our marriage. So that to you is kind of like in a fall season of where all of a sudden this All of a sudden issue things are up. starting to come up. Okay. You know, yeah. and financial stuff starts to come up and differences come up and things are said like, you know, well, we've, we've always, I think we always do that. Like, well, my parents always did it this way. My parents always did it this way. And then when we start to see those changes, if we didn't talk about it, Sometimes we're surprised that, and then, and then, you know, if any kind of offense comes in, if we, if we feed this fall season, instead of saying, okay, we are different people right. trying to become one flesh. Yep. You are completely 100% complete in yourself. I'm complete in myself, but we're trying to become one person. That's a miracle. Like that is the actual picture of what God does. God is trying to become one with us. He is complete. He's got it all together. He's not the problem. Yeah. We have some adjusting to come into his world and become one with him. And that's what marriage is a picture of. And so there's some really tough times in there. Yeah. Chilly times, fall times. Yes. Okay. But, and so how do you work through those? Well, just acknowledging the fact that it's probably going to come. Okay. So you, you sit and you say, look, there's probably some hard times yeah. coming. Yeah. We're not going to create them. We're not right. going to speak them. We're, not, gonna, we're not looking for them. But we know they're coming. And the, and the best thing to do there is make sure you're having these kind of conversations in the summertime so that you, you're not fighting and there's nothing happening. There's no great, big, huge emotion, but you can talk about, Hey, how do you like to vacation? If you're new in marriage, right? Maybe some of us that have been married for a long time need to have these discussions now, right? We work, we do a lot of coaching with older couples who are struggling now because I never knew this was important to her. And 20 years after they, we've been married and I still didn't know. So it's probably really good to be as open and honest. And, and, and I will say this for us guys, we normally don't know. No, you guys are pretty simple. We're simple mm -hmm. and we don't know. And, and women, you have to be okay with that. You've got to be the okay with The biggest mistake a woman can make is thinking that a man's mind works like hers. Yes. Because they don't work anything like ours. And instead of being mad at them for not being able to read our mind or being upset with them that their mind doesn't work like ours or accusing them because we think they do, is just to ask them. Like, this is how I'm thinking. Tell me how you're thinking. Yeah. You know, this is what I value. But I thought it was very interesting if you go to, do you want to read Genesis? Genesis 32, 30, verse 2. When Rachel saw that she was not bearing any children for Jacob, she envied her sister. Give me children or I will die, she said to Jacob. Jacob became angry, which he should have, with Rachel and said, I am in the place of God who has withheld children from you. Then, he, then she said, 
here is my maidservant, Bilhah, sleep with her, that she may bear children for me so that through her, I too can build a family. Now, of course, you need to know when you read scripture of history, who the audience was, what was right. happening culturally. Right. If you didn't have, especially a boy, as a woman in those times, you were looked at as even more worthless so than women were looked at. The worst thing could happen to a woman. The worst Other thing. Other than being a slave would be to not be. That and they were all basically slaves. Just, I mean, That's honestly, true. So. But so, I just to think about that, though. Okay. She's basically saying. This is, this is a couple that was so in love that for seven years, they stayed in this summer infatuated romantic place, even though they couldn't be together, even though they couldn't have sex, even though they couldn't live together, do any of those things. This same couple now, she is coming to him and saying, why have you done this to me? I am so miserable. I want to die. She's basically threatening suicide. And he's so angry with her for putting him in that position because he has no control that he says he burned with anger burned. Yeah. And I think how many times do we get in a situation as married couples, we have absolutely no control over, but we still blame our spouse. Wow. And then we manipulate. So we are in a situation that we cannot control and we cannot fix. And their tendency is to blame the other spouse. And that happens a lot. Happens all the time. Happens all the time. And so how do you, how did, what, what makes you aware? What I mean, how, what did Rachel do? I mean, obviously the story ended. Good. She had babies. Yeah, she had babies. She got her babies, but um, she also died after she had her babies. But, you know, like I said, <laughs> well, we don't, real we don't story. get happy endings. Yeah. <laughs> so a couple of babies I had, I thought I was going to die. I was having them, but I didn't. No, I think that um, <laughs> it goes back to the, the, the pulling away from, because this, the fall season really is a season where you are going to, start to get an offense because things aren't, aren't like they were in the summer season. Then what we usually do when we get an offense is I start only looking at you and I quit looking at myself. And as soon as we get to that, then we usually start to build on that and build on that. And so the simplest comment, the simplest, I can't believe you pulled this car in the driveway that way. Now I can't get out and get the groceries out is this huge offense in, in your mind because it's built on all these other things that someone might not have any control over. So you did some dumbass things in our marriage that cost us a lot. Uh-huh. And I was really ticked about them. Yep. But there was also a lot of stuff that happened in our marriage that we had zero, zero, zero control over. Right. And I still got mad at you. Yes. And I would tell you, my anger was, I, my, I, <clears throat> I blamed you for everything. Because the one stupid thing built on the actual things that no, no one but God could intervene in some of the stuff we were going through. Yep. And that's what caused a huge wedge between us in our fall season. That's what took us into winter. That's what took us into winter. And, and let me say this, guys, that if you're offended by your spouse, it's your issue. And let me define that. That um, God is the rock of offense, he says in Isaiah. I'm the rock of offense. So... If we're offended, it's because something's off in us. And so we have to take responsibility for that offense. That's why he says you have to walk in a constant state of confession and forgiveness. And so if you're off in your heart towards your spouse right now, you need to go look at your own heart and you need to confess. I'm off. I'm feeling offended, Father. I know only you offend. And so can you bring this to the surface that I can get healed from this? And you got to get really real about it. And then you got to go repent to your spouse and you got to say, I've been holding a fence against you for something that you have no control over. Or maybe, maybe she does. Maybe he does. Maybe 
they're peeing all over the floor in the in the bathroom and they do have some control. So sit the hell down on the pot. Right. And pee that way. So there's not pee everywhere. There are some things that we just go we, as, as men and as women. We go, well, you know what? You had a right to fill off on that because I know I've been doing that. And, and I think the key in all of this, obviously, when we're headed from fall and we're maybe pushing towards winter because we have offense and anger and bitterness in our hearts growing towards one another is that humility is the key, the only key to keep your marriage together and keep it healthy. I'm going to make a sexist statement. So okay. everybody hold on. Uh-oh. I do feel like this is a time for men to leave. To leave. Yeah, I do. I yeah. feel like when, um, when things start to go off course like this and a woman is, is feeling wounded and feeling emotional, or feeling betrayed or feeling whatever, a man humbling himself, whether he was wrong or not, if that woman doesn't soften in that, she has issues beyond, you know, that go way, way beyond just what happened in the marriage. Wow. But when, like this morning, when you humbled yourself, I mean, I was prepared to not speak to you for days today. Pretty, Loves up. Pretty ticked. And you grabbed my hand and you prayed and you, now that would have, 20 years ago, we would have never done that. 20 years ago, we would have not spoken for days and our kids would have felt awkward. and Everybody would have felt awkward. Right. And again, let's say it's okay to fight. It's okay to be awkward. It's okay to not talk to each other for a couple of days at a time. You're learning. But now I know, even if I was right in the argument, I don't need to be right anymore. There's nothing to be right about. I I want peace in my marriage. I don't abdicate and become a little wussy and a a emasculated man. Which I don't want. Which many men do become that. Many men just go into silence and they don't father. They don't lead anymore. We hear it all the time from our interns that my dad was just silent. And my my mom ran the home. And we talked about this a bunch. We don't go silent, men. Adam went silent, and that's why Eve ate the apple. We have to keep, we have to say it. But you know what? When I humble myself and I say, look, baby, I, I whatever I'm doing wrong in this, please forgive me. I need to be aware of that. I need to fix that and adjust that. I love you. And I don't need her to respond. I don't need her to say, oh, God, babe, you're right. I'm a, being a bitch, whatever. I, I, I'm not looking for that. I'm honestly, in a, from a, a pure heart, humbling myself to say, Let's get to the next level together because I usually know now, in fact, I know every time today, I knew that the enemy was getting in there because we've been talking a lot about Jezebel spirits. We've been talking a lot about maybe having a place here in Colorado Springs again. And the enemy loves to get in that space in our marriage and he loves to turn us against one another so they're not, we're not hearing clearly on what's the next steps. And so I'm going to repent of that quickly every single time well, yeah. to get us equal again, equilibrium, okay, so that we can hear well together and get somewhere. Well, and on the flip side, a few days ago, you were really, you were not okay. And you were just really upset and really distracted, and, you know, kind of short. And I, we were in the car and I said, pull over, take off your sunglasses, look me in the eye. I am your partner. I am on your side. I, everything I do is for us. I will do whatever you think is best for us. We're, I'm not here to destroy your life. I'm here to make your life better. Nope. Don't forget who I am. And who I am in your life, because I'm not abandoning you. Right. I could tell that you were feeling that from, I don't know where that was coming from, but, like, I'm, but I'm not abandoning you. I never have, and I never will. And that's set things on a course again. Sometimes you need to like look each other in your eyes, kind of say your vows again. Like I'm on your side. Right. Like I'm fighting for the same things that you are. And that breaks that wall down real quick. Well, And it's really important you guys to know the enemy wants to destroy your marriage. That's his number one goal. He wants to steal, kill and destroy because if he can destroy your marriage, he destroys your kids and he destroys all the people that you could influence. And so he's always trying to destroy your marriage. So now I know that if we're off and starting to fight, that the enemy has created something. There's a spirit like over Colorado Springs. I'll, I'll just say it. There's a, an, a, a principality 
a spirit of abandonment that rests over this city now. It used to have this warrior, beautiful call on it, um, but the churches here don't, they're divided. They don't work together. The ministries kind of do their own thing. Um, there's just this, if I do it, then I'm going to feel abandoned or rejected. And so there's this individualism that's come in. I was carrying that without even knowing it. Mm-hmm. And when I confessed it to my buddies on the phone, on a, on a prayer call the other, uh, the other morning, I, I, I suddenly became aware that, oh my gosh, I'm dealing with this issue of abandonment, the spirit. So I just prayed against it. I had to go to war a little bit and just pray against that spirit of abandonment and then come to Lisa and repent. And we had two miracles happen instantaneously yeah, as true. I did that. That's I mean, true. they happened literally. I'm on the phone call with we're, one, we're getting, phone calls. getting an answer and I'm yeah. getting a text from somebody else. The same answer. All the stuff we were worried about. All the day. stuff we were fighting about that day. Right? Usually, got solved that's usually the breaking point though, yeah. because we're looking at, if we're looking if we're going to use seven years as an example, which there's a movie out years ago called the seven years, year itch. A lot of marriages break up in the seventh year. Yeah. So there is something spiritual there in is. that cycle. And the eighth, eight, number eight means completion. Yeah. So if you could just get past, it doesn't matter how many years it actually is that seven year thing. And it, it does work in that, that way for a lot of people. You can see I it feel in like we lives. have a reset every seven years. Yeah, every seven years. Every, it's it's just like, how it works. Oh, crap. We're heading for another yeah. one. So you got to get to eight. Yeah. And, and so how do you do that? Humble yourself. That's the only way you can get there. But most people give up on year seven. Right. And they say, I married the wrong person. This isn't going to work. This is, we can't, we'll never get through this. If they would look at it as this is a season, of course, once again, disclaimer outside of spousal abuse and i mean i'm talking about just normal life that all of us go through which normal life for us has been death bankruptcy and destruction but that was our normal life and beauty and And all all of it wrapped in all together at the same time crazy it's like this i just i was writing about michael the other day i said he was like the sun wrapped in barbed wire yes that's kind of how our relationship is yeah sun wrapped in barbed wire (laughs) that that is but that's that's the point is it's a season Yep. And this also is, if you're going by years, this is about the time the babies start coming or the babies don't start coming, which both are going to cause major stressors. If you want to have a family and it's not happening, that is a huge stress on, on marriage. And having children is a huge stress on marriage. Yes. But people get stuck and they think this is it. This is the end. And they end a lifelong covenant because they were in a season. Yep. That's what we have to be Okay. Aware. So we covered summer. Incredible, euphoric, enjoy it, learn to find the good in the summer, drink it in really deep. Make that season's changing. epic memories. And then you can go into a fall season where you start noticing some really just off things about your spouse. Fight through it. And then your offenses come up and you, that's where you get to go, okay, we might be going into winter. And if you make a choice to get into anger and into unforgiveness, you're going to go into winter, I promise you. And then we'll help you. What do you do if you're in winter? And we'll talk about that. That's next time. Winter and spring. Spring. We love spring. I got to tell you, just like I said, I've been rich and I've been poor. Rich is much better. And oh, I've yeah. been in the winter and I've been in the spring. And spring is, spring a lot is much better. better. Marriage spring is I so learned good. a lot those other seasons, but I have no desire to revisit them. All right, guys. So <laughs> our Patreon people are watching this on video. Uh, I know you don't like staring at us so much, but it is kind of fun to do this on video. That comes out every Wednesday, exclusive for our Patreon people. It's patreon.com slash Gary and Lisa Black. Um, this podcast will hit iTunes and SoundCloud for everybody on fr- on every Friday. We'll launch those. So Wednesday, Pipe Patreon. Fridays, the podcast will come out. Um, and we have a lot of people listening now that don't know us, don't know our stories. 
That is our original stories, and Michael's story is being transferred from SoundCloud to iTunes. So it's going to be both on SoundCloud and iTunes. You can so find Black Tie Podcast. this is podcast. the first time you've seen us, and you're like, what are they talking about? How did their son die? Why? You know, how many marriages are they on? What's going on? All of that information is on the first three yep. podcasts. So and then anything else, GaryLisaBlack.com. You can message us there. You can email us. We want to answer your questions. We want to hear your feedback. We want to know what what topics you'd love us to cover on these podcasts. We're going to be f- phasing out of marriage here in the next two podcasts. We'll be phase out of relationships, though, because that's stay kind in of what we do. All right, man. God bless you guys. That was fun. Next week is part 11. Not, we have winter of marriage and spring of marriage. God bless you guys. See you soon.